Welcome to Chuck and Anthony Continental, the premier limited prestige format podcast all about the wildest movie in the Keanu Reeves canon, John Wick. I'm Anthony Carboni, sitting across the internet from Chuck Wendig. And Chuck? Mm-hmm. Hi. Hello. Here it comes, Chuck. It is. This is, this is John uh, Wicknerock. This is it. This is the end of it. This and is I'll, it. I'll tell you what. Um, Last week when you were like, and now the entire movie becomes a fight. Yeah, except there's one good not fight coming up here. There is. There, there's, some good, there's some good moments, but this is definitely where it's like, okay, well, now action forever. Yeah, this and is just the, the log flume ride through violence. Yeah, and it, this, this is where the movie loses, doesn't lose me, but I definitely get uh, just a little... A little less, uh, I'm a little less invested once it's it turns a little less into, fatigued. Sure, a little fatigued. Yeah, yeah it's just all all guns all the time now. Yeah, uh, like the song from the John Wick soundtrack that just says guns, <laughs> just guns over yeah. and over. Yeah, um, and they try to like they that song comes back and they definitely try to match it up like Pink Floyd to Wizard of Oz style in this movie. <laughs> yeah, cue it up and follow along. Follow the yeah, bouncing it's bullet. a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we start with John leaving the red circle, leaving the mm-hmm. club, getting a call from Yosef because uh, yeah. he has Victor's phone. Fucking Victor. Victor. I love, nah, I miss I you, love Victor. Victor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Victor's, Victor's dead. Everything's got a price. Yeah. This movie does a lot of that. Um, Chuck, what is the name for the thing where uh, where a char- one character says a line to the other character in the beginning of a movie, and then it mm-hmm. reverses. Is there a name for that, like an act three? I don't think so, but there should be. There we should, should be because fucking it make it up. Yeah. It, it happens it's all like a the time. Thema- thematic reversal, uh, uh, Liberty Gibbet. I don't fucking know, but it's that. Yeah, no, there's definitely this, and they're stating ideas that are uh, both important to themselves as characters, but also important to the plot and the themes uh, that are sort of, that, that hidden architecture that goes on behind the walls of the story and uh then they bring it back and then they usually either put a twist on it or it's um sometimes it's just reiterated in a bigger meatier way uh, yeah. yeah this is this is one of those where he's like aha remember when you said this to me earlier yeah now i say it to you yeah. uh so it's like then sinking we had, that putt yeah that what a dickhead thing to do though then we head back to the continental uh how good is your laundry i'm afraid no one is that good no one is that good no one is that good uh, I do love the the sort of improv classy sort of if this then that of the Continental. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if I tell you it's a hotel for murderers, <laughs> then what do they have? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, they have a guy who can stitch you up and they have this. Like, it's funny. Like, it's always like, uh, and Lance Reddick is just 100% acting like a concierge and nothing else, which is yeah, really the, funny. The world building in this film is so tight because it doesn't, you don't need that much. Like I don't really need, like as much as I am compelled by the switchboard ladies in the, you know, the next uh, Parabellum trailer uh, at the same time, like this movie is so clean and just, it just, well, you like you say hotel for murderers. So what does that naturally follow in terms of the services that they offer in that little book? You know, you, you check into the hotel, you're like, what's in the fucking book? What's nearby? What services yeah. do they offer? Oh, like laundry, bloodstains. They clean up. That's excellent. Okay. Oh, that's fine. A doctor, a surgeon on board. 
Cool. Call him yeah, up all here. Of this, all of these things are just like, yeah. And if it's not uh, an ad for the P.F. Chang's that's a block away, what's right. it an ad for? It's probably an ad for that guy in the pork pie hat that comes and takes the bodies away. Yep. And you the know, cost like, is one coin per fucking shit. Whatever yeah. you're doing, one coin per. <laughs> you look at the you look at the room service menu and it's like, oh, continental breakfast, one coin. One oh. coin, yeah. <laughs> Lobster Thermidor, one coin. Yeah. Huh. Clean, cleaning up a murder scene. A, a coin. What? One coin. Huh. Yeah, I love the idea of John just like looking down or Harry, who we meet in just a minute, like looking down the column of his room service menu, deciding <laughs> what to order. And it's all yeah. one coin. It's just all one coin. By the way, this, and also poor Harry. Can we just say that now early on? Poor Harry. Yeah. Poor Victor. Poor, poor Harry. Poor Jesus. Victor. Poor Harry. Poor people who respect things and play by the rules in this God movie. damn it. God uh, damn it. One, once one rule is broken, it all just comes tumbling down. And, and yeah. That is something that I like about this is it's this world that's built on murder and corruption. So of course the the moment they break somebody breaks one rule of yep. murder corruption world, yep. it all becomes like, oh wait, we live in murder corruption world. Yeah, the, the veneer is gone. In D and D terms, they are rocking a lawful evil situation. And then John Wick returns. Um, and while on one hand he's probably the embodiment of lawful evil to us, to them he's chaotic evil. Yeah. He is showing up and just being like, hey, I'm a Molotov cocktail thrown into the middle of your shit. And uh, it just, the whole the house of cards is coming down. Yeah, so um, we have John with the doctor. And I do want to say, like, based on the, I do want to say uh, kind of about the world building that you were talking about. One of the reasons yeah. the world building is so tight and so mysterious and so kind of wonderful here is they didn't know they were making a second one, right? Yeah. There's something to that where there is a way... There is a way you write and tell a story when you when you know it's a self-contained thing, and then there is a story that is planned for a, for sequels and is sort of planned for a cinematic universe. Right, um, and you can sort of see that like watch watch Iron Man and then watch anything from like Phase Three of the MCU. Sure, I, sure. Iron Man was like, hey, we're making Iron Man and. God, we hope this works. But if it doesn't, at least we made Iron Man. Right, we got this far, fellas. Yeah, and so they were trying to make this movie for like 20 years or something, and I don't think they expected, hey, we're going to be making John Wick 2 and 3. And no. so all of this stuff is kind of thrown in. Some of it, it all has a little bit of meaning, but it all is also just kind of there to look cool and be mysterious. And the problem with that when you get three movies in yeah. is, like, is like you're saying, it's like, well, now this world has to make sense, and now we have to build it out, and now the only thing we can do is sort of expound on this world. Right, instead of the characters. They move in a world direction. And it's one of the things why I think, in some ways, I prefer that contained story because I think you can do stronger, more narrative. You know, like, if you're going to make three of these out of the gate and you know that and you're greenlit on all three and you're going to plan to make them, you know, you might kind of whiff that first one and not put some stuff in there. And uh, it just feels like, you know, when you know, when you believe that there's no others, that this is what you get, you this fucking Hamilton not throwing away my shot, right? You're going to put it all in there and you're going to make it work. Uh, and there's a lot on the line. And you can feel that uh, in this film. I feel like they really, it's like a, it's perfectly tuned watch. Uh, and as much as I am happy we're getting more in the John Wickiverse, uh, at the same time, I'm like, this could have just stopped here. Yeah. Just, just like Die Hard could have stopped at one and this could have stopped at one and we'd be like, they're perfect. We're good. We can, we can go. Yeah, Die Hard didn't need to go to a place where we were throwing cars at helicopters. No, no. Like, it didn't like, need to, but by virtue of continuing to exist, it, it has did to. need to. <laughs> it has to, yeah. Once you're going to do it, it has to. 
Um, because you can't just, yeah, with Die Hard, you can't just be like, well, I'm just a regular guy and I'm just a regular cop. And it's like, no, you're not, dude. I've seen no. you do shit. Yeah, you're a superhero, son. You can- now you've got to do more shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what you get into with these sequels. But uh, here, you know, with John talking to this doctor, this mysterious doctor that they send up and these sort of like mysterious rules of the hotel, it all works as like one one folk story. And it's all about like fatalism, right? Like this entire movie is about fatalism and it's weird to give fatalism a sequel. Right, right. Because <laughs> it feels like you're just stretching it out. Like, well, there's but there's more fatalism coming. There's more, fa- aren't oh, they okay. all dead? Yeah. Isn't the point of this that they should all be dead? Yeah, yeah more, uh, more. I do like the, um, I do like the idea of doctor for assassins. It's just like, look, man, if you're going back to work, I guess you can pop these pills and you're going to bleed a lot. I know. Um, and do you have anything for the pain? And he's like, Bland's. I have fucking bourbon. That's what I have. It's uh, good bourbon. That's good bourbon. If it is good bourbon. bourbon. It is good uh, bourbon. John drinks nicer and nicer stuff as this movie goes on. He does. He does. It's like he's rewarding himself. That's nice of him. Uh, I do also like this doctor scene as once again, we get these periodic reminders. John is a person. John is going through pain. Remember that you like John because yep. we are about to see John uh, nearly murder Adrian Palicki. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they do a good job of also making you hate her enough. Oh, she's the worst. She's the worst and what really a good. Rat. What a rat. Just a just a ferret. They're a all nasty, terrible people, ferret. but she's the terrible person that also breaks the rules on purpose. Yeah. And her dog didn't even die. Yeah. Fuck that. Um Marcus leaving his apartment here with his with his sniper rifle. He's bringing, um, are, he's bringing all his defoness with him. Yeah, so we're still like what's going on with Marcus? And so yeah. This whole lead up is very interesting because it's like, oh, is he going to do it? But also, um, he's lit in gold the entire time. Yeah, I know. They, so to- just they like, tell you without telling you. It's a yeah, cool they thing. tell you. You're just like, no, Marcus is cool. Yeah, that's the weird thing about sort of uh, both being kind of a storyteller and also um, having some filmic language understanding is that uh, it's interesting how much you can see what's coming and how much you can learn about what's happening on the screen even before it happens if you sort of know those things and as a storyteller, you sort of internalize and, you know, you intuitively learn the beats kind of of the ride, even before you like, you're like, you know, what's coming even without coming. Um, and with John wick, they kind of do a pretty good job at telling you all this stuff, but still making it work. I will say the first time you watch the film, it moves so quickly. You have no time. You don't really have a lot of time. Like you, you do get the feeling of, of the colors and the symbols and stuff like that. But I will say the first time I watched it, I was like, Oh, is Marcus going to shoot him? Yeah. Because the other thing you can do is you can break those rules, right? Like Marcus can be lit in gold and Marcus can be can be representative of friendship. Yep. But maybe the best thing a friend can do for John is put him out of this whole thing, right? Right. Or the colors change when he pulls the trigger. Or the yeah. neon lights that illuminating him shift. Whatever it is, you can do some some tw- tweaky business there. Yeah, but we see him we see him uh miss John. Well, but, and by the way, I also like that he <laughs> it's the way he sort of drifts the crosshairs up is like He's almost shooting down his like boxer hole. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It looks like he's like, eh, I'm just going to stare into that gap in your boxer. He's like the James Bond laser about to yeah. bisect right. John he's Wick. Right there. He's like, whoop. But what I also think is interesting, and this is why this is another great moment that kind of keeps Marcus's character uh, am, uh, sort of ambiguous, is he could have shot Perkins. Mm-hmm. And there, didn't. And didn't. Yeah, and didn't. He's like, I'm just going to wake up John. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Marcus is still just like John kind of later on, you'll hear Vigo call Marcus last of the old guard. John is, and, and Marcus are still both this sort of lawful evil, like you're yeah, saying. But, 
Yeah, but he's neutral evil. That's yeah. the fucked up. You don't really, or at least you, to our eye, he's neutral evil. He could be, he's on the head of a pin, man. He could go either way. Yeah, first. but he's kind of like, well, I'm here to save John from Vigo because Vigo's out of line, but yeah. Miss Perkins isn't really out of line and she isn't really my business. Yeah, and also like, well, the worst thing I could do for Miss Perkins right now is just wake John up. Yeah, <laughs> John like, will take care of this. John and will then, be worse than the bullet, so and let's And then do that. John will also know like the why of it too, which mm-hmm. is kind of a, a thoughtful thing, which is like, oh, if I shoot Miss Perkins and he wakes up and Miss Perkins is dead on his floor, he's going to wonder what the fuck was happening. Yeah. But if I just let him wake up, he'll know everything that's going on. Yeah, it's like a nice little, like a clean, like, hey, did you see that? You should see that. Um, So I do like the Vigo's giving me, uh, I thought Miss Perkins doesn't get out of bed for less than three and Vigo's yeah. giving me four to break hotel rules. <laughs> yeah, uh, as, uh, as he's like choking her with his sling. <laughs> yeah, this scene, man, the grappling in this scene, they do a lot of, of sw- switching and shifting fighting styles depending on who the assassin is or what situation John is in. And this is all some like real grapply Greco-Roman wrestling. Uh, kind of stuff going on with Miss Perkins. She just gets some nice close ups there, like a spider. Oh, she does. She does. She's a little spider, uh, spider monkey, a spider. Both, all of them, a yeah. spider monkey made of spiders. <laughs> uh, it's really, really good. Um, the phone ringing throughout the fight. This is just another one of those things that I really like, where it's <laughs> like a cut. tension cutter. Yeah. Um. So then there's this thing of, are you in need of a dinner reservation? <laughs> yeah. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, (laughs) um, I think that's a funny little callback. And then the, where is Vigo? I just love, like, of course he's in little Russia, John. Did you not think? I know. And she's a rat here too. She's a fucking rat here too. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. And again, she's giving him information. Like you feel like we should have. Yeah. She feels like Perkins is sort of the character that you assume one of these killers or hitmen or, or gang members to be right. Yeah. And I do love that there's something where just because she is the way you expect it in uh, a world of these kind of samurai, right? Yeah. <laughs> she comes off like a she comes off like a real rat. But yeah, uh, go to Little Russia, John. Yeah. Come on. I know. That's where that what a, dude's. What a shock! Out. Little Russia, you don't say. Uh, um, I guess. The, I guess that the information that she gives him that's unique is that it's a safe house. Yeah, the that's church. the part he doesn't know. Um, cause fucking church for a safe house. Yeah. If uh, that line had just ended at little Russia, I would have been like, duh. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, but then we get Harry and I love that John and Harry are both in, uh, their boxers and their white <laughs> undershirts. Yeah. Well, have you ever been in a hotel when like it's nighttime and some, like a, a, a fire alarm goes off or something and you all have to congregate for a moment. You're all just like in your underpants. Like this is yeah. Awesome. This is super awkward. If you're in a if you're in a nicer hotel, everybody's in the matching robe and slippers. Yep, you're all just yep. like I don't know. Monogrammed, I have. Yeah, it, you just look like a big old cult watching a watching your <laughs> compound burn. Yeah, yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is fine. This will all be fine. Uh but I I love the idea of Harry. I love the idea of another yeah. like Harry comes off like traveling salesman guy, right? Like he's just yeah. a jobber. He's been doing this his whole life. He's weary. He's it's Clark Peters, man. Did you, are you, were you a person who was a fan of the wire? Yeah. 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 So he, for those who have not watched the wire, what are you doing with your life doing? that you haven't watched the wire? Come on. Je- Jesus. Clark Peters though. I mean, Clark. he's just so good. Freeman on the wire. Yeah. It's great. Um, so I love, I love him with, uh, yeah, I just love the hi Harry. Hi John. Just the same way as the Jimmy thing. Yeah. Everybody who's in in this world is just kind of like so nonplussed about it. No, you know, they're like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, they're like they're just on the job, man. They're just guys moving 
to the job. Like you're coming, of, coming home from the job. I'm going to the job. What's up? How are you? Yeah. I was thinking about ordering a pay-per-view movie right. and just like going to bed. And now I'm hearing this shit out in the hallway. Yeah. I'm going to um, door, door dash some, some chicken fingers, whatever. Uh, so then we go to this church. We see John popping his pills, our little reminder that John is mortal. But this is also now a visual signal of we know it's business time. It's business time, as the uh, flight of Concords once said. And you walk in. I love that when you walk in, you know that this um, this church is bad because everybody's got tattoos. I know. And that's the thing. Like John, This is one of those things where they, they could do the thing where they build up some tension, right? He, he walks in. You see a lot of people turning to look. But it's really pretty fast where it's just like, Walking in, these people are terrible, and I'm just going to start shooting people. Yeah, it's there's really no, quick. There's no even pretense of like, oh, it's a fake service, and is this right? Is the information good? Like, we don't do that. No. The, the priest says, is everything all right, my son? And John shoots him in the kneecap. Yeah, this is Band-Aid ripping off. Yeah, you know, I have no time for this blood. Yeah. action movie bullshit. Horseshit, just shoot. Um... And then he opens the gate, he burns everything up, and we see that it's, it's money, it's coins, it's files. I did yeah. love how many coins Vigo has in that vault. I know, he has a lot of coins. He has yeah. a lot of coins. And so you're kind of just like, okay. Mm -hmm. um, you get these little hints of like, yeah, Vigo's the boss, but at one point Vigo was very, was very John-ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Perkins, we get a little flashback because obviously this can't be where Perkins goes away. <laughs> obviously obviously so it would she here's my question is your opinion that she breaks her thumb now the sound the foley work leads me to believe that she is that she is breaking her own yeah. knuckles yeah but she could also be dislocating and they could be trying to put a point on it yeah either yeah. way it's but because cool. it, it comes right down the middle there's no like separation at the base it just looks like she's yeah like just like breaking a Fucking Kit Kat, man. I like to think that she's breaking her own thumb because yeah. it makes it cooler that she's keeping that smile and speaking in a conversational tone. <laughs> As she snaps her own thumb with ease. Yeah. With relative ease. Like, I'm just going to. It makes her a little bit more of a badass if that's the way it's happening. Yeah. Um, I do love the, uh, she takes the coin that John gave to Harry. It's like, I know that no. he gave you a coin to do this and I like coin. <laughs> I like coin. Coin good. I take coin. Good coin. For you. Yeah, more coin. <laughs> uh, and then we we head to the parking lot gunfight. A lot of gun is melee weapon, which is my favorite thing about John's fighting style. Yeah, yeah, gun is melee. Gun Everything is, is a weapon. Everything is a weapon. Why punch when gun? Mm -hmm. right. um, but why stay? Why stay back when you can get close? Yeah. Gun. It, gun. It do all. Gun do all. Gun for dinner. Um, but yeah, this is this is just a very to me. This is the beginning of of sort of a, I like this conversation that comes up in Vigo's warehouse, but the fights that sort of the action sequences that sort of bookend it feel a little self indulgent to me. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and then the movie, way they take out John is like, <laughs> yeah, it's a little cartoony almost, right? It's like, like what they don't they hit him with a car? That is that kind of what they takes hit him, him with? Out, a, right they punch him with a yeah. car. They punch him with a car, which is some superhero shit. Yeah, they they definitely punch him with a car. But it's, I mean, this whole movie is obviously self-indulgent and very high on the on the action choreography scale. But what I mean by indulgent is like, these two fights are there to get John to and from somewhere. They're not like the red circle fight. Yeah. Um, and so for me, they could have been cut in half. That's all. Yeah, probably true. I already know what John can do. It's kind of cool to see it again, but right. I don't need five minutes of it. No, two would have been fine. Yeah, um, so Vigo's warehouse, once again, he wakes up. Are we worried for John? No, this whole warehouse is lit a pale gold. 
<laughs> yeah. John is in control the, of this situation the, gold the whole of the time. Coins. The gold of the coins. Yeah. Uh, it's a, I love this scene. I it's love the very back good. and forth. The the dialogue is so spot on. There's like um just a, a fantastic sense of history between these two characters. Uh, and Vigo, what a dick. Yeah. What a dick. This idea that we're all cursed and that you, your wife is dead because of your choices. <laughs> it's just like a, just an extra, like, I'm going to burn you with a couple extra cigarettes while we're sitting here. Yeah. Emotional what cigarettes. What I love is Vigo talks to John like an employer the whole time. He yeah. talks to John like your boss the whole time where it's like, hey, I'm being friendly, but I'm letting you know that you, mm -hmm. uh, you fucked up. I'm disappointed. I'm very disappointed. And uh, even though we're buddies and, you know, on the weekends and we go out uh, after after work for like pub trivia night every once in a while, I got to fire you. You know what yep. I mean? Like, yeah, P.S. We're never really buddies. Yeah, he's just that trying kind to of make boss, you think that, right? Yeah, he's that kind of boss. Where's your TPS reports? Um, so yeah, the, a couple of highlights from the conversation for me is like, I can, I can say you're still very much the John Wick of old. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I like that that John's not sure. Yeah. Like am that's I? a am I? I thought I got away from all of this and I changed, but then did I? Yeah, and it's one of those things there's there's this idea because this movie is is about grief and grieving, there are these interesting things um that you go through in grief and grieving, you also go through it in therapy for anything, you go through it in sort of like um if you if you're an addict, you go through this as well when you go to meetings where there's this period where uh, and you see a lot of this reflected in John. They're taking a lot of these very human things and putting them into the um, in into the trappings of contract killer guy. But sure. there's this there's this period where you think you're fine. You think you've changed. I'm sober now. I'm over this death. I'm over this breakup. I'm over this thing. And look, I'm I acting totally normal. I fixed it. It's fixed. And then something emotionally pokes at you in the way that your old problems did and yeah. you immediately go into old patterns. Right. Um, and I just love that this movie is about that, but for man who punch with gun. Yeah. Man who punch with gun. Um, uh, there's a, there was a, a good um, metaphor that I saw on Twitter and I wish I could credit the person uh, where it came from that suggested that grief and sorrow is like a, like an, a, a ball inflated in a, a room. Like, and so it fills up the room at first. And so you cannot move in this room without bumping that ball. And it's, oh, everything you do hurts. Uh, and as time goes on, that that ball shrinks, uh, the balloon, whatever you want to call it, kind of shrinks up. And so it's easier to miss it. But inevitably, there's going to be a point when you're going to bump into that thing. Yeah. And it's going to hurt again. There's just, and it's going to come a little less unexpected, but it will never go away. It will always be there, a thing you can, a button you can accidentally push on the wall and it will bring the pain and the grief and the sorrow all back. And I feel like this is definitely... His, his grief is big right now and his re regret is huge. And we're just, and Vigo just like keeps smashing his face into it oh, in God. this conversation. Yeah. People, uh, people don't change times. They do. People don't. Yep, people um, don't. And then, um, I love the, you got married, you settled down. How'd you manage that? And it's like, Oh, luck, I guess. Luck, I guess. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. It was nothing I did. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes into his whole thing about you're, you're lying to yourself that the past has no sway on the future. Uh, such a good line. Um, such a good line. And this whole idea that like, hey, you are responsible for this, which in a way like is true. Ish. Is true-ish, but shouldn't come from Vigo. This is not somebody <laughs> who's giving 
he's not giving John the gift of this truth, right? He's not trying to give John the gift of self-realization here. You know, right. uh, you led a terrible life and these things are going to keep happening because you led a terrible life. He's doing it to just poke at John. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he cops some ownership, but then at the same time is clearly like, well, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> he's, saying, he's saying the things that we as an audience know, and because it's coming from the bad guy, this is the other thing that's very clever about it, uh, because it's coming from the bad guy, we automatically reject it, right? Yes. Because it's coming from Vigo, who we know is an asshole, even though Vigo's saying like, hey man, you killed a lot of people, you led a terrible life, um, this is kind of karma, yeah. We can say that, right? We your, can say your that. Your wife as the died audience. because God cursed you. Yeah. You monster. You killer. You monster. Yeah. And Baba that's Yaga. sort of like, oh, okay. From anybody else, that would kind of make sense. But because it's coming from Vigo, it's like, fuck you, Vigo. Yeah. John's a nice guy. I know. Yeah. You really feel like Vigo's trying to slip his own. He's trying to jump the fence a little bit. He's like, well. This is on you. Yeah, and Vigo's also trying to, uh, yeah, it's this whole idea of like, God took your wife and released you upon me. Yeah. There's this, you know, you don't get to a, uh, you don't get to be a guy like Vigo in a position like Vigo's in without being like, well, that guy did it. I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, What's great is though, at the beginning of this whole dialogue, you have John feeling like he's not sure if he has changed or not. And then by the end, whether he has changed or not, he's basically saying, you know, you took my opportunity to grieve, you took my hope. And uh, I've been thinking like, you know, people have been asking me, am I back? Well, I'm back. Like, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. for him, he's now, that's his full commitment to the descent. Uh, he's, he's, he's in. And yeah. He's and maybe he is the new John, but he is the new John with the old John skills. And that somehow right. makes him even worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, ben Solo is a worse guy to know than Kylo Ren. Sometimes you don't want people to reach self-actualization. Yeah, well, that's the Walter White, you know, breaking bad shit. Like, oh, the cancer's gone and I still am this guy, kind of. No, I just like this. This is who I am and I enjoy it. This is cool, shit. And I'm not going to die anymore. I can be this guy forever. Yeah, Yeah. I I am cancer. Yeah. (laughs) Fine. Good. Um, another thing I love is, is, is I love the, just a fucking car, just a fucking dog. Like, let it go, know, dude. Just a fucking dog. And, and also too, the other Vigo thing I love about this is when John starts to give into that speech, he starts to give that whole thing about you killed my opportunity to grieve. Like Vigo just looks like, ah, Christ. Like just like so operatics and drama. He's just like, eh, let's wrap this the fuck up. Well, the way they act go. towards each other in this, like even Vigo, when he's talking, John like gives him the weirdest eye rolls and like. Yeah, right. So dramatic. It's this, uh, they've been playing out, they've been playing out this thing that they know they have to play out. And it's almost yeah. as though they know, they knew that this conversation had to happen as well. And they're both yep. just like, <laughs> yeah, we got to say it, but Christ. Um, th- another thing I like is that uh, we find out here that John's wife's name was Helen. Oh yeah, Helen. Which I love is in the idea of this, if we're going back to the pantheon of the gods and this Greek yep. mythology thing, I love the Helen idea of, of Troy, like, yeah. Helen of Troy being the thing that caused this entire war. Yeah, she she broke the entire uh, conflict. Sure. Um, yeah, it's very good. And then we see Marcus finally, finally, finally makes the Marcus move. Yeah. And now we know who Marcus is. And we get into this fight against two people, which once again, at this point, like I was saying, I got no, I got no questions about whether John Wick can beat up two guys. Yeah, the, now that, the one guy is uh, a guy he failed to beat up already, right? The guy who got him, threw him over the balcony, right? Yeah, so at yeah, least yeah. we have that, 
we have some recompense there. Yeah, to, uh, and, but like even as he was fighting that guy, I was like, well, sure, that guy got to throw him over a balcony. He had to fight his way through a thousand other guys first. Yeah, now it's just one on one. Right, right. He's like, that guy's dead. We know that guy's. He's dead. Yeah. So the fact that this goes on for a little bit is kind of like, all right. Yeah. Okay. Here it goes. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> let's uh, let's get to where we're going. Um, Chuck, what is this car killing gun that John Wick has when he leaves Boy, this warehouse? I don't, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't know. Is it? It looks like a shotgun, but also not like a. Is it real? Because it kind of looks real? Like yeah, video I don't know. gamey to me. Like, let's find that out. Let's it, see if fucking John it, is it a shotgun car? Is that a thing? It's got to be a thing. It, it looks like some. Oh, sort there's of, an internet movie firearms database. That's right. Oh, thank course. goodness. Thank God. Uh, John Wick's entry is 38 pages long, though, so... Caltech KSG with EOTech sight and angled foregrip. That's some gun porn right there, son. That's some stuff that, like, if you didn't tell me that gun was real, I would have been like, that's just a gun from Call of Duty. That's just a Halo gun. That's a Destiny rare loot drop. Nope. (laughs) No, that's a 12-gauge, you know, that's a big... Big old scary gun. Yeah, I only think of shotguns in terms of cartoon shotguns and blunderbusses and like old old school shotguns that like mid century mid twentieth century shotguns like my dad kept in the closet (laughs) in case there was ever a burglar. Right. Right. But we didn't ever own any bullet. It was just like I will (laughs) I will point this gun at a robber and hopefully they will turn away. I seeing a modern like military weapon to me is always like wild because they just look so sci-fi. They do. They really do. Um, this is a very sci-fi looking gun that he shoots at Vigo. And I love that Vigo like kind of had a plan for this in his head too and kind of was thinking that this was going to happen. And Vigo's reaction <laughs> is like, cool it, cool it, cool it. Right, right. Yeah, it's fine. Cool. No, 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 no. Stop. Cal- calm down, calm down. You did the thing. You got me, you got me. Yeah. Um, and the idea that he's going to give up his son and pull the contract is kind of like, yeah, okay. I uh, you know. It's like after all of this. Yeah, all really? right. Sure you are. Fine. But, but what's interesting about this is he is giving up his son. He's yeah. not going to pull the contract. He doesn't care about his son, but he does care about his son as, uh, as this rep- this little chip that's representative of Vigo's power and control. I said, you can't have this and you took it. And so now I'm mad. Right. Cause he even says in the, in the talk that they're having, like you got a wife and I got a son and you got way better off than you I got did. The, you got the way better like, deal. Vigo just hates his son. He hates his son. <laughs> this is just a point of pride and ego. It's like someone bought him a gaudy thing and he doesn't really want it, but it's his. So don't fucking break it. I got to wear the socks tomorrow because she I bought can't. me the socks. I know. Don't you fucking insult my socks. Yeah. I will insult the socks, but don't you insult my socks. You piece of shit. Um, Yosef is, I love the, this parallel thing that they have going on where Yosef is basically being held in a Metal Gear Solid level while yeah. somebody is playing a, a, a first person shoot, like real yeah. video game versus video game, video game versus us uh, watching these video games. In a video game scenario of a guy, assassin coming. And then he, the, the guys in the video game are, have uh, Keanu Reeves character names, like Neo and shit like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, so it's like, you're really... There's some layers to the self-referential. Yeah, you're doing some shit. Yeah, we're digging deep. Um, this and then ins- actually, if you really were really fucking trivial, because of course Neo is a fucking he's in the Matrix, and that's not even his name in the first place, and that's a whole layer of it's reality whole, on top of another many reality. Layers. It's, Keanu Reeves is God. I think that's what I've just fucking come to realize. He yeah, is, he's it, the deity, the demiurge. It all leads to Keanu Reeves. All paths. Keanu. Um, well, 
this this let me tell you something. This is where yeah. we um as we as we go through more of these films and talk, we didn't do this as much with Thor Ragnarok, but I do want to call out very specific um, story structure things, basic story structure things. We sure. are entering what is called the false victory. Yep. Um, this yep. is this is about what is this eight or nine o'clock on the story clock, something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's um, Ten to midnight, man. It's like yeah. Yeah. So basically, what happens here is there's always there's always the like yeah we did it before like the bigger bad shows up right. Right. Um, so right. this is all blue and gold. It's all John Wick uh, having his having his discussions with Vigo. He's going to get the sun. He's going to kill this warehouse full of dudes. It's all blue and gold. Um, yeah. This is the false victory. Um, false victory because you think we're done. We did it. Hooray. Parade float. But the moment he shoots Yosef the way he shoots Yosef, Yosef doesn't get a moment. Yosef doesn't nope. get a last line. Yosef- Which is great, but not satisfying for us. Right. And so that, but of course, Joseph doesn't matter, right? And so that is a uh, that is a signal to us that, like, oh no, like this is yeah. not this was not it at all. Yeah, we're not done here. Um, so I do love that. I love the idea of of Joseph is just a balancing of ledgers, right? Like he gets yep. less he gets less to say than that priest. Yeah, he gets less to say than anybody in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he really does. He's just a, a worm. If, if, uh, if, you know, Perkins is the rat, he is just a worm and he's a worm on a hook because they bait him constantly. He's mm-hmm. just like, eh, 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 okay. And that's what, that's, what's crazy is like this entire movie, you're just looking at Vigo and you're like, you hate this guy. This guy yeah. is just bait to you. This guy, this guy isn't even going to get your business. We know that Avi gets the business. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this guy's nothing. He's nothing. He's nothing. Why is this so? And it is, it is important because I say it's important and those are the rules. Um, we go back to the hotel and I do love this, um, the parting gift from the management. Yeah. John gets a car because we are back in control of our destiny now. Yep. Um, it's back. He's back, baby. We're good. He's back. This is all fine. I'm going to go meet up with Marcus under the bridge. We're going to talk a little bit. Yeah. Under the bridge downtown. Um, where I met my Marcus. <laughs> uh, Marcus has this uh, line, you made a new life, you'll find your way back to it. And I'm just like, ring, ring, John Wick 2 and 3 are on the line. <laughs> I know, uh-oh. <laughs> um, uh-oh, TikTok man's calling. Yeah. Or not. Yeah, no, uh, uh, fucking Jason Manzoukas. And we do see, we do see, of course, Perkins is the one yeah. who, who tracks Ow. all this down. Although eventually fucking- Marcus would have gone back to his own house. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we talk about, uh, I know it's early. Can we talk about how she dies? Yeah. I mean, how the fuck does that work? Yeah. How do you shoot? That's like a, that's a literal metaphor. A circular firing squad is how everybody dies. How the fuck does that work? They're just like, no. For a, a, a movie that's really kind of peculiar about how the details, we really did this and the guns, and the bullets. And, and then they're just like, we all fire in a circle and somehow all the bullets stay inside her magic pumpkin head. Yeah. And they kill no one else. I think it is, if, I had, to, if I had to rationalize it. Yeah. Um, which is why we're here. Yep. We're here. <laughs> this, is, this is the job. That's why we're paid. I would say that it's because um, while John, while John is sort of like, if John is our Hercules, right? Yeah. He yeah. is he is the demigod that that carries out the business of the gods and so he he moves in the real world. He sure. he counts his bullets, he watches yeah. around corners, he does that stuff. Um you know, our our 
our our hotel owner, <laughs> yeah, Winston yeah. just yeah. is is a god. He is Zeus. He is Odin. We know that because it's Ian McShane, <laughs> right? Yeah, Jonathan. Um. So when when Odin comes in and says, uh, "Punished, dead," it's like a magical firing squad, right? It's like the gods right. descending from on high and doing a magical death of this woman. Right. That's right. kind of the way I see it. Yeah. Um. There is this. Uh, well, let's let's uh, let's double back, but we'll come back to Perkins. Yeah, we'll come back to. That. Okay, yeah. Um, I love that Marcus knows what's going to happen to him every second of the way because just like John and Vigo, he is a member of the old guard. He knows the rules. He knows what's going to happen. He knows. He knows. Um, he takes off his watch, which I love. I know such a detail. The taking off his watch is just like, oh, okay. Here we go. It's it's time. Get it. Get it. Um, oh. Yeah, and I love the, I love the, he's, he goes out on his terms. Like, he's like, I'm going to kill the guys that you thought were going to kill me. Yeah. Just so you At know. At the very least. Yeah, just, I'm going to, I can't win this, but I can hurt you. Um, I can take something. Yeah, the Miss Perkins, why am I not surprised? I love that it's just everybody hates her. Everybody hates Perkins. I really almost, I just want more Perkins. And just because I, I, hate, I hate Perkins. And I want to say that here's this here's this dark side of the Wizard of Oz thing that's happening. Uh, the the sound up cue in this scene is we kill strangers so we don't kill the ones that we love. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, you can turn that back down. <laughs> I don't need we, that. We get it. We get it. I we're fine here. Um, <laughs> uh, Charon. And I love that this is how the death happens. Charon calls Perkins, right? Yeah. And obviously, like, it's so funny. Out of all the things, it's like Perkins doesn't want to get thrown out of the Continental. Nobody wants to get thrown out of the Continental. Yeah. So it's like when Charon says, hey, be here at this time, she does. Yeah. And she doesn't think, like, it's wild to me that Miss um, Perkins, who's such a slimy, slimy rat who is out to get everybody and thinks everybody's out to get her at every turn. She's smart. She's smart. She's not a, a ding-dong. Yeah. No. Just This just happens? That's this the thing that I thought was weird about it. Yeah. Ab- yeah, the only thing, I, I think the, the one thing that I, maybe we get from this, the sequel is that uh, maybe she just recognizes like there, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. Like they, you know. Although she they, feels like a character that runs to me. You know what I mean? She does. She feels like a character who runs and who thinks she's smarter than everyone and can get away. Yeah. Maybe she thought she was going to show up and, and talk her way out of it or do something. Who knows? Yeah, we get no detail or sense of that. Only that, like the, the 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 call to get her doesn't sound tricky. Like it sounds like show up and this is bad. Yeah, like it there's no. Uh, well, hey, maybe we're having a party for you. Why don't you come by? Yeah, oh, and maybe there was a I thought like in her head of like, I can explain that like Vigo did it, or like maybe it's not all my fault or something like you know. Maybe she thinks she's yeah. just gonna worm her way out of it, but it feels a little weird. This this scene. it feels a little weird. Um, yeah. But it also kind of reminds me of um, there's something about the way it's set up with the archways and everything that kind of reminds me of the end of um, Charade. Oh yeah! Wow, I can all right. I can see that. You know what sure. I like? I really thought about that. The part where like Walter Matthau kind of comes in and just like. He knows it's the end, sort of. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, it has that sort of operatic end. Yeah, and it, it's something in, in a, a movie that's not super operatic about us. I mean, it's kind of a grungy. Like the second movie, really, sort of like all the you know European fip foppery. Yeah. Uh, comes through, and it's not mostly here, but here it kind of is. It has a sense of ritual and descent, which I mean, I like the trapping. There's just a part of me that would have liked her 
waking or waking up somewhere or counting coins like the greedy little monster that she is. And then, you know, our, uh, you know, Winston shows up. Yeah, there's something about it that just, it rings like, well, this is when this happens. And in a movie where they really try to subvert, this is when this happens. Yeah. Um, this feels a little weird. I, I gotta say this- Kind of this kind of act three of this movie is kind of like, all right, wrap it up. Yeah, it's the weakest part of the film to me. Um, yeah, let, we can get we can get into that. Yeah, because we're, we're I mean, yeah. we're doing it we're right here. now, right? We're fucking here. We're here. I, uh, you know, the the whole end sequence to me is um, it on the one hand, I get that there's a, an inevitability, right, of what's to come. I mean, that's sort of fatalism. We're literally how could a movie about fatalism not um, make you feel that sort of sense of inevitability as it's coming. But also that's not super entertaining and engaging um, as you get to it. And it's also hard to believe. I mean, Vigo for all of his, uh, you know, bluster and cleverness, and it's clear he was somebody once. Uh, it's also clear he's kind of lost a step. Like he, the people he beats up, he beats up his son yeah. a lot. He whips around that worm. And when he hits John, he has to have him tied up first. So then them going toe to toe in the end feels a little odd. Yeah. John is so good. He's beaten these massive monster people, these mythic demons and heroes. And I really wanted their battle to not just be like a physical punch down. Like it needed to be a brains versus brawn scenario, a crafty charismatic demon versus, you know, the Hercules kind of thing. Yeah. You can't just be like, well, I'm the dragon and you're Hercules. We just punch each other now until one of us is gone. Yeah. This whole thing feels, this whole movie is, is kind of like, is supposed to feel like two chess players who know exactly, oh, we're doing one of these. This is the strategy that we're in right now. And I know that yeah. in five moves, you have to do this and I have to do this because this is a classic sort of strategy that happens in chess. Like, that's what yeah, this right. feels like. To get to this point where, like, I don't know, all of a sudden dad is super shredder, right? Like, they pour the <laughs> right. ooze on dad. Now he's like, he's like killer dad. This dude is 60 yeah. something. He hasn't fought for himself in a very long time. He is, right. um, and, and there's something to me of the act three really sort of begins or starts to, starts to begin with that, with that warehouse. Uh, and the fact that they show a video game to me, I want to give them I want to give them all the credit in the world for being clever enough to be like, from here on out, it is a video game. From here on out. Yes, yeah. This is the final boss. And the final boss in the video game should never take as long to beat as the final boss does. You, you think about something like an Uncharted or an Assassin's Creed or something like that. Um, and you think about, I think we brought it up in the, in the podcast before, the idea of that um, ludonarrative dissonance, right? right. How come... How come the whatever assassin you're playing, Altair or Enzio or whoever, kills a million people effortlessly? But now, but this last yeah. guy is hard to kill, and a lot of times they let the last guy live, right? Like, right. And the idea is, well, it's a video game. Yeah. The gang members. That's okay. <laughs> the gang members aren't singing in West Side Story. You just think they're singing. Uh, right. John Wick maybe isn't killing a thousand people. It just feels like he's killing a thousand people. Except- yeah, you get that in, in a book, right? Where it's like you read a journal entry or something, but the journal entry is written in like a novel. Like no one writes a journal entry like, and then he said, and then, but it, you just, you understand that it's convention and you fall into that. Yeah. This, this feels like you can see the seams on this one. You can feel the bumps. Yeah. And I just, I, I hate that a movie that, that is, that spends its first two acts just doing all sorts of fun things 
with convention and with what we know about movies and playing on, well, if we have Willem Dafoe, you know all these things about Willem Dafoe and it's like this. And if we show you this, you know what I mean? Like they were so clever um, that when it gets down to like, fight this old man for freedom. (laughs) It's like, all right. Really? All right. I don't (laughs) care really anymore. Like what what is happening? Why are you doing that? Because we don't really need, I mean, this same thing could have been, and this is where like stunt coordinators fight choreographers making a movie uh this gets a little self-indulgent this dramatically if this was going to be done in like a like a seijin suzuki movie or something like that or even like a um even a kurosawa movie it wouldn't be a duel these two guys would probably shoot each other real quick yeah and then sit next to each other as they bled out because that's that's the cool part of this scene Yes, that's exactly right. That Those final moments, those, that reckoning. We need them to both hurt each other physically enough to the point where they're laying in the same gutter together. Yeah. Uh, and he can say, be seeing you, John. I know. In hell, by the way, wink, 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 wink 80s, nudge, hell, nudge. whatever. It's not the yeah. same as when, when your wife said it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's different for it's me. It's different. I'm doing the flippy thing again, which need, yeah, it needs a name. It. Oh, the flippy thing, the narrative flippy thing. Um, But yeah, dramatically, all you need in this scene is something where they both manage to hurt each other to the point where they're laying on the ground. And Vigo doesn't need to do that himself. He's already pretty much done that using his armies, which is how you expect him to do it. Yeah, there was a a vibe I was thinking because he's, you know, the apple of his son did not fall too far from that wormy, fungal infested tree, right? And uh, it's interesting to me that they, He's obviously trying to run, but it's interesting to me that that was not the battle, simply catching him and then shooting yeah. each other, right? I mean, simply just popping each other, <laughs> like you said, two gunfighters and not like doing the duel who gets you faster, but like we literally just both shot each other. Would have been great. Would have worked just fine. Yeah, it would have been perfect. Um, I think there was probably, they probably just felt like there was a need for a lot of action because it's act three and they sort of, they fell into a trope in a movie where they didn't want to fall into tropes. But- when we do get, eventually get to the the emotional sort of uh, core of this whole thing, it is it is kind of it, it's it's gratifying. This is sa- this is a satisfying moment at the end. Yes, yeah, it pays off, um, which I really love. Um, and so everything kind of kind of comes full circle, full with circle our, with our yeah. opening. Yeah, um, and 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 that's a thing. We do get uh, we do get the new dog. We get a new dog, and uh, I love that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a fan and I like that his new dog is kind of more his dog, right? Yeah. Like it's not, yeah, Daisy, we love Daisy. We uh, pour a, a little on the curb for Daisy. But uh, boy, yeah, no, like a brutish little, uh, you know, gunmetal colored pit bull. Sure. Yep, yeah. That's, that's the John Wick dog right there. It's definitely, definitely one of those, one of those kind of like Rottweiler boxer pit sort of mixes. And like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a nice little visual button for the point of the movie, which is, hey, that crate and barrel life probably wasn't any more your life than this gunfighty life is, but yeah. there's a mixture of the two that is who you are now. This is where we're at. Now, again, we need to talk about how the second film fucking fails this part. Like the dog is an important anchor point for us as the audience into John Wick's thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's why we sort of care about them. The dog is sort of a proxy for caring about John and John John can put his caring upon the dog. And so we know that John is a human despite maybe he's a demi-human or a hero or a demigod, but he's got some human blood in him. And, uh, you know, the, the second film doesn't really use the dog. It's just, no. 
he's just, it's like, I'm going to put the dog aside until I need the dog to walk with me. Like, and that's sort of it. Second film really should have been dog getting revenge for John's dad. Dog, yeah, that's exactly right. It should have been like an incredible journey, a dog's yeah. purpose, Milo and Otis sort of. But with guns. Yeah, but with the dog has a gun. In and his like, mouth or on his collar. Yeah, like a cool, and a cool tattoo. Yeah. Or three or seven. But like uh, realistic too, like you believe the, the dog is counting his bullets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I mean, the dog is like one, two, because the dogs can count. I'm sure that's it. Yeah. Thing. I mean, this is, this is another one of those moments, like we mentioned earlier, where um, I don't think they even thought about sequels. Right, right. Because like, this, this ties a bow and you can stop now. Yeah, and so to to do the second one and be like, well, what about dog? It's like, eh, don't worry about dog. And it's like, well, the whole <laughs> first movie was you telling me to worry about dog. Right, and that's why so, it's weird when they decided to go and make a sequel that they were not like, more dog. Like how, I mean, to me, like anything I write should feature more dog, not less maybe dog. Maybe this time it's a, it's a dog mafia and John feels conflicted, right? Oh, okay. There All are right. a lot of ways you could have gone with this, I think. Could have gone, yeah. Now the third, <laughs> the preview for the third film has more dog has like way more dog. Halle Berry is literally like throwing German shepherds at people, you know, like they're, they're her melee weapons. Yeah. No, I'm fine with that. That's okay. As long as they, you know, she's not abusing them. Why right? haven't we seen the Zook yet? Yeah. Get the Zook in there, man. We know he's there. We've seen IMDB. The TikTok man. Show standalone, me the TikTok standalone, man. Standalone movie. Um, yeah. So this is, this is interesting. It, 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 I have a feeling we will go back at some point and, um, and and kind of visit John Wick too. Yeah, maybe like um, in a one episode thing. We could just kind of, we could just hash that shit out. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, as somebody did tweet at us, um, I hope that you go through John Wick and John Wick two all the way up to the release of John Wick three. And I'm I was just like, oh yeah, I could see that. But also, I don't think we could do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could do no, it. No, I couldn't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's uh, it's too it's too much. Like you say, there's that thing in here where you start to feel a little ground down by the violence, which is okay. It works for this. Just as you're starting to get ground down, it works, right? Yeah. Uh, but that second film to me was like, I literally started to watch it one night and then I just like stopped watching it. And they didn't come back to it for like a week because it just kind of wasn't, it was cool, but it was very video gamey cool. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where, I mean, you look at, um, you look at any second part of any kind of action-y trilogy sort of, hero-ish movie and you do you just got to go bigger you got to yeah. go so much bigger that's the only way because like you said you have to you kind of have to move away from character and to world and it's because the way that the way that hollywood sort of films are set up and tentpole films are set up and even sort of movies themselves is like you can never really get rid of your main character right um, but see here's the great he, he thing has to stick around and he so has to world, stick around of course absolutely but here's the, the cool thing that some storytellers are able to do. Uh, I, I, can, I think I can speak with some authority when I say we are both fans of the Star Wars, right? I've seen a Star Wars. You've seen a Star Wars too? Yeah. So the great thing about An Empire Strikes Back compared to the first film is, and why it's regarded as such a, a vital sequel, because, uh, I mean, you know, A New Hope, the first one, kind of feels like they could have been done, right? Yeah. In the same way that John Wick is like, we don't know that we're going to get another one, so let's just blow up the big moon and just stop. And, uh, but the Empire Strikes Back reverses all of it. And it doesn't just make the same movie again in like a, well, we just need to make it bigger and Luke needs to be more and this and that. It's like, it starts with the huge fight 
the big battle, the, the war in the stars, so to speak, mm-hmm. in Hoff. And then it kind of tapers down. It's like a reduced sauce and it's real character heavy. And the end duel um, has such a, a critical character anchor in learning, of course, you know, that Darth Vader is uh, Luke's uncle. I'm, I'm pretty sure I have that right. Yeah. Uh, I keep so, needing to watch that and figure yeah, out what it is. Sorry, I didn't mean to spoil it. I think it's, no, that's okay. I think he's like his um, weird uncle. Whatever. <laughs> it was my weird uncle Darth is what they yeah. call him. Darthy. Oh, Uncle Darthy. Yeah. So, you know, like I feel like there was an opportunity here, just as there in some ways is with like Die Hard 2, to have done something uh, a shift and not just being like sequel means same thing, print it, but like dial it up. Volume yeah. 11, break off the knob, stab people in the neck with it. The th- yeah, the three ways, I think the three ways sequels go is they they do, like you're saying, like the the turn it up to 11, which is the yep. standard kind of Hollywood way to standard. do it. Standard, yep. Um, and then the second way is to is to kind of go, kind of go bigger, but also go self-parody. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. Like a tweak, tweak the formula so it's almost a joke in a way. Yeah, which a lot of a lot of sequels do, and a lot of my favorite sequels do, because it's kind sure. of like you've seen this. Now, what if this? You know what I mean? The problem it just with, gets weirder. You understand that the principle was weird to begin with, so let's yeah. go with that direction. Yeah, you, and you kind of get that with like um, one of my favorite terrible sequels of all time is RoboCop Two, because it's just oh, yeah. so it's just so ridiculously silly and over the top. Yeah, Gremlins Two, Jesus, Gremlins Two is holy just like, shit. We Joe do Dante was like, I can't do another one of these. No, fuck it. He was like, I'm, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm going to do some DMT and we're going to just make this sequel instead. Uh, I would, which by the way, I would do 20 episodes on Gremlins 2. 20 episodes. 20. All the episodes. I, I love Gremlins 2 it's my, so much. one of my much. favorite. I, wanna, I, am, I want to write the third one. But the problem is with a sequel like a Gremlins 2, like a RoboCop 2, like something like that, once you go into self-parody, it's hard to pull those reins back again. You never come back. You can't come back. So that can't be a franchise. And right now, no. everything's looking towards franchise, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like you're saying, the third way to do it is retreat back into character. Like, start bigger, like you're talking about, and be like, yeah, here's this bigger world. But remember, we're still following the same people. Yeah. Um, and I think what's kind of interesting is, like, you know what series kind of manages to do that without slipping up for a good long while? is the Fast and the Furious. Oh, the Fast and the Furious. Because they start out so kind of that way anyway. It's like, and they keep kind of reinventing their own formula a little bit. Um, And then actually the first four or five are really bizarre. And then five through current, wherever they are now. Yeah. uh, Just, it's definitely reducing that sauce and, uh, you know, finding their... There's yeah, thing. there's something they do with the Fast and the Furious where you watch the first one and it's like uh it's basically point break with cars, right? Yep, yep. I'm an undercover cop and it turns out that I'm I'm I actually like the people that I'm in deep cover with and now what do I do? <laughs> right, um, right, 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 right. That's the story. But then by the time you get to five or six, they're like, hey, so we're government agents now. And what we have to do is we have to drop these cars out of planes while we drive them down the side of a building. Yes. And you're there. Like and you're, you're there. like, yeah, of course. Yeah, why not? You've, of course you've, you they, They're moving the Overton window of reality like inch by inch every movie. And you're just like, this is great. I don't and I think that's something where I'm really interested in Penumbra. I'm interested in John John Wick 3 because like you're saying, 2, two didn't get me there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 2 didn't get me there. So I'm hoping that, uh, is it Pen- uh, Parabellum. Parabellum, Parabellum, not Parabellum. Penumbra. Penumbra, though I would also watch Penumbra. That's, I would watch Penumbra as well. <laughs> that's a that's a scent, a scent John Wick, Penumbra. Penumbra. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I I feel I feel like they can get us there, but uh, at the same time, I don't know. You know, action movies are sort of a 
tricky thing to make. Yeah. Well, compelling. the other thing is when you, when something is then when they made two, I have a feeling when they made two, they were thinking about three. That's kind of the, they probably weren't thinking right. about sequels for this one, but once it becomes a, a property, once, once somebody takes your movie that you love and says, uh, and hits it with the IP dust and now it's yeah. an IP. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, congratulations. You're no longer uh, this this personal thing that you really love. You are now an intellectual property. Congratulations on becoming a franchise. Yeah, you're um, moving forward now in many directions that will yeah. hopefully so please our shareholders. Once that happens, you are planning two steps ahead, three steps ahead. Yeah, well, they have to be with the second one because it's the infinity war of the John Wick universe. It yeah. It's just in the middle. It just stops. It doesn't really like... There's a conclusion ish, but mm-hmm. it's still like well, now everything's gotten worse. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, not- it's it's like any of these. It's like any of these things where the now the middle of movies. Like it's assumed that if if you get one, or it's assumed now with movies where if you get two, it means you're getting three minimum. Right. Minimum. So we all now look at movies like John Wick 2 is now the middle chapter, and it's it's a little unfair to judge a movie to judge a trilogy without seeing that final third. Um, yeah, and right, I, and, right, right, right. And I do hope that that Parabellum kind of- um, Makes pay, the first, yeah, makes yeah, two Yeah, pays work. it all off. And I, I think it will, and Jason Manzukis is there, and that's all that matters. That's all I need. Um, what were your feelings about John Wick, everyone? Tell us. How'd you feel? Let us know. Also, have you seen that Netflix John Wick that's Mad, Mads Mickelson? Let us know if you've seen that. I want to no, watch I, that. I, I've heard it's not as- Great. <laughs> uh, Charitably, I say. If you uh, if you have any opinions on on John Wick or Polar or storytelling or things that you want to hear us talk about next, you uh, definitely it, let us know. You can uh, you can tweet at us. We're on Twitter. It's a terrible place, but we're there. I'm at a Carboni. I am at Chuck Wendig. And you can also email us at Grandmaster at Ragnatalk.com because we're never changing it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for watching John Wick with us, everybody. Thanks for watching John Wick with me, Chuck. Hi, thank you. Thank you, and, sir. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, something. Something. All something right, cool. <laughs> All right. Hand All right, wavy, you, hand wavy. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.